1: Good morning, everybody, and happy, happy Thursday to all of you and yours. It's Common Sense Radio. Jamie Ullman here with you. And what do you know? Your thoughts on President Trump and the upcoming debate, and whether or not you think he should join the debate or not? Uh, I think. I think. I, I think I've conveyed adequately my position on the matter. And I say absolutely no. I I don't think it helps him. I think it's going to be a setup anyway. And I don't see it as a sign of a lack of courage or anything else. I just see it as a practical matter. And I really don't think that it's necessary. Uh, It's going to be a free for all. I know that Dana Perino had indicated uh, at one point, well, he could simply you know, make them all go on the record about what they think about the indictment and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, why would you do that? I, you know, I, I played the soundbite yesterday, and one of the things I didn't mention about it, its stupidity was also what makes you think that Donald Trump wants to bring up his indictment to a bunch of people who – want to knock him out of the primary and I understand oh yeah get him on the record see we've already seen them on the record in fact Pence doubled down yesterday I'll have more on that for you uh but but President Trump's playing this game I think properly and that you got a bunch of people who Republicans have turned away they they don't they don't like them they don't like Chris Christie uh, and, and so why, why would you share the stage with a guy whose sole purpose on every level, and including all television stations, which is to dis- detract from you and attack you gratuitously half the time? Understand why you would subject yourself to it. So President Trump is interviewed by Breitbart about this. Here's what he had to say. But when you're leading by 50 and 60
3: points against these people, and you have people at zero and one and two and then they're going to be asking me hostile questions. Uh, and they probably won't have much of an audience if I'm not in the debates, according to what I read. If I'm not in the debates, they're not going to have a very big audience. It seems almost like it would be foolish to do them. Uh, Reagan didn't do them. Other people didn't do them. Uh, and I don't know that I should be doing it, you know, to, to be up against a hostile network
1: uh, with hostile... And and, and 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 that's that's what this is all about. Is is it is indeed a hostile network uh, already, and then you've got a bunch of hostile people here. I'll get through this uh, commercial for Cedar Rapids, and then we'll move on because they put it Breitbart Smart. They put it right in the middle of the Trump soundbite. I don't blame them for doing that. Uh, but anyway, but why would you subject yourself to it? And and he, and he points out. Reagan did the same thing. He wasn't going to sit there and and play around with a bunch of people who were lessers and and who are not only lessers, but they are people who uh, hate him and and, and don't want him to be president. It just seems like this is a perfectly reasonable position uh, for him to take, and I just wonder whether or not you guys agree. And if you agree, you can call in too. Three one four five 6104 Those that
3: are polling at zero—I mean, they don't have any votes. I mean, one of them had actually a zero with an arrow pointing left. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what that means. Probably means that they have too many votes, and you know, like the election. But but they're at one, two, three, four, five, maybe. And I'm in the 60s. I see a poll the other day. 78 i'm at 78 and you have people at zero and i feel it's sort of foolish to be doing it i think it's uh could be stupid it could be a stupid thing to do but i have not made up a decision uh i don't mind doing I i like to do them i enjoy them actually and i think it's i think they're a good thing but when you're leading somebody by 50 or 60 points i think doing it might be foolish
1: yeah so he's still on the fence about it uh and and you know who knows i president trump is a lot smarter than i am so you know he could go ahead and decide to do this debate and it turns out to be a, an amazing groundbreaking thing for him uh, so you know i, I don't think i'm it's being timid uh, but 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 you know and knowing him he could probably uh, turn this thing around and, and and make it into something positive but sometimes even though you are attempting to make something positive uh, it doesn't always work that way and it's it's not always a foregone conclusion that it's going that it's going to work out for you uh, and, and, and and that's kind of part of the problem is it, you might think it's working out for you but it actually doesn't. Meanwhile, Mike Pence, and you're going to have to get through another Cedar Rapids commercial. I I hope people are going to Cedar Rapids, by the way. I really do, because as much as Cedar Rapids advertises pretty much on all the platforms that I go to, uh, I see these 30-second commercials for Cedar Rapids, and uh, none of – I mean, I've been to Cedar Rapids before, and – It's I I, it would not be a destination place for me anyway. Here's Mike. I was
4: clear with President Trump throughout all the way up to the morning uh, of January 6th. But let's let's be clear on this point. It wasn't just that they asked for a pause. Uh, The president uh, specifically asked me and his gaggle of uh, of crackpot lawyers asked me to literally reject votes, which would have resulted in. in the issue being turned over to the House of Representatives, and literally chaos would have ensued. So,
1: this is such a bastardization of what President Trump was really asking. Uh, when when he Mike Pence did not have the authority to throw votes out, and, and that's that's not what President Trump was asking him to do. Uh, this was this was and I'm, and I'm not quite sure that people really understand what was going on here uh, and, and what January 6 was all about. and And January 6 was a chance for all of these our Congress to come together and decide whether or not to throw certain states that were in question into a 10 day audit process. Uh, that that's not overturning the election. Uh, that's not throwing out votes, although that could be, that could be something that could happen as a result of it, as a, of an audit. But Pence didn't have the authority to throw votes out, and that's that. So that could not have been what President Trump was asking, because Pence himself couldn't do it. But he does preside over the Senate as Vice President, much like the way Biden did in 2017. When there were a bunch of people, including Jamie Raskin, House of Representatives, who wanted the same thing that we wanted on January 6th of 2021. Of 2020. Uh, uh, of 21, sorry. but that, But that's what we wanted. But Biden didn't give it to them because they didn't have Senate sponsors. As a House member, you have to have someone in the Senate who is sponsoring your effort. If you don't. It can't move forward. So Joe Biden at that time as vice president rejected uh, Jamie Raskin and a couple of others because they didn't have anybody in the Senate who was helping them. That was a different story on January 6th. There are plenty of House members who have members of the Senate who are ready to hop on board. Hawley was one of them. And at that point, Pence would have been compelled to say, okay, let's send this into a 10-day audit phase. But he could never, he never had the authority to, in any way, shape, or form, uh, to throw votes out. That was never a consideration. That could never have been something that the Trump team wanted, because they knew that that was not possible. But it it was absolutely within the authority of Mike Pence to decide whether or not there was going to be an audit of some of these states, including like Pennsylvania or including Georgia. Uh, and so he could have done that. Him, he's, uh, he's pretending that he was being asked to overturn the election, and that's not true. And the reason why it's not true right on its face is because he didn't have the authority to overturn the election. So I think he's misrepresenting what happened there if not outright lying about the circumstances. I'll follow up on that on the other side here. Your phone calls are welcome, 314-566-6104. Happy Thursday, everybody. It's Common Sense Radio. It is almond in the morning. And I guess one of the things that I would like to see, let's say if President Trump decided he was going to go ahead and do the debate, is I'd like to see him confront this liar, Mike Pence, uh, this holier than thou Boy Scout who's out there running his mouth about what President Trump's intentions were that day and therefore our intentions. And so I guess the only check mark in the box, yeah, get into the debate would be for President Trump to directly confront Mike Pence. Uh, that would be worth the price of admission for that—to directly confront Mike Pence and tell him exactly what was going on, and 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 uh, and basically call him the liar that he is. I don't I don't see how Mike Pence thinks this benefits him uh, to any degree. I mean, you guys know that that Americans and and a lot of people who are voting for Trump, we're we're not. We're not default voters. We're, we're we're not in a situation. Well, I guess if Trump doesn't get it, you know, he is a Republican. I'll go ahead and vote for him. We're we're in a different phase of our life and growth, people. And I can safely say that I would never vote for Mike Pence for president. And 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 people will say, well, yeah, but then then you're just handing it over to the Democrats. I'm like, I don't know. Ah, uh, maybe I'll take my chances, but but and and hopefully and hope for a a rugged enough and muscular enough Republican Senate or Republican House that will uh, make it not matter. But you know, we, I think a lot of us are really not in that phase where we're just going to go ahead and vote for somebody because they've got an R next to their name after what they've done i don't i don't see how how you can really do that but i don't know does that make me a never pencer is is that does that make me as annoying as a never trumper i'll i guess i'll have to calculate that and and figure that out and figure out where where i sit on that and how i feel about that but this this is outrageous on
4: this point it wasn't just that they asked for a pause uh the president uh specifically asked me and his Gaggle of uh, of crackpot lawyers asked me to literally reject votes, which would have resulted in uh, in the issue being turned over to the House of Representatives, and literally chaos would have ensued. So, Martha, he's skipping a spot there.
1: Uh, But in order for it to get over to the House of Representatives, it would have had to gone through a 10-day audit process, where they would have to determine whether or not. Fraud actually just, took place. Uh,
4: people, people can read the indictment, and frankly, I, I, I've said before, I, I had hoped it had not come to this point. You know, I, I don't know if the government can meet the standard, the burden of proof beyond reasonable doubt uh, for criminal charges. But the American people deserve to know uh, that President Trump uh, and his advisers uh, didn't just ask me to pause. They asked me to reject votes, return votes, essentially to overturn the election. Uh, And to keep faith with the oath that I made to the American people and to Almighty God, uh, I rejected that out of hand and I did my duty that day.
1: He was not being asked to overturn the election unless you believe that sending a couple of states to the audit process is overturning the election. That's actually not it. And and for Pence to say he was being asked to overturn an election, uh, the election... It was a process. It wasn't a result in itself. So uh, the election was the process. The result is a different story. And I'm not trying to be pedantic here, but it does matter. It's like, well, you want to ask me to overturn the election? Well, it wasn't quite determined to be a full on election. As of January 6th, it wasn't a clear-cut issue that it was, in fact, a full-on election. An election, in this case, uh, is is a noun. Uh, it, it's not a verb. And you you know what I mean by that, though. An election took place. But that doesn't make it the result. The results were to be determined... And finally, determined on January six, if you guys are getting my drift here, and, and so so just just simply saying, you know that 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 you were being asked to overturn an election—that's absolutely not true. And it, it, and it's really too bad that Martha McCallum, and this was this was an interview uh, with Martha McCallum. It's too bad that she really didn't didn't really challenge him on that level. I I really was a little surprised. Uh, that she wasn't more forceful and challenging with him on this. But it, it, it's truly an important distinction when someone will say, he was asking me to overturn the election. Well, the election took place. That was That was the act that took place in November. The results had yet to be determined. So an election, just saying overturn the election, you can't use it as a word to describe a result. And I mean you guys know me I'm really picky about language because I it's it's really important because you can you can actually use varieties of forms of language to lie without really lying uh, uh, or to gloss over the truth or skip spots or whatever it's and if you're really good at it and you're and like like a lot of lawyers are, and a lot of politicians are, and that kind of thing. If you're really good at it, you can actually pull the wool over a lot of people's eyes. I mean, you, you and on a, on a more basic level, look what they did when they talked about global warming. Well, you know, when when faced with the reality that uh, it really wasn't warming uh, to the extent that they wanted to, they just any snowstorm, any hurricane, anything they just called it then climate change. that's just that's just on its basic level. When you get deeper into craftiness and deceit and, and and the word usages like that, then then you become then you're Mike Pence and you're able to say he was asking me to overturn the election when actually the election took place as an event but the result was yet to be determined. And that's an important distinction, and it it's and for Pence to keep pushing that idea that he was being asked to overturn an election is not accurate, uh, it's, it's not precise, and it doesn't define what was going on on that day. Pence was acting as if this January 6th thing just dropped out of the sky when it happened uh, that after every election... Every four years, there's a date like January 6th. It happens every every time. Three one four five six six sixty one zero four. So you guys probably haven't seen much of this. Uh, it is a Tucker Carlson extravaganza, uh, but it's funny how it's getting like very little attention. And this is, of course, related to January 6th, and this is the former Capitol Police Chief. Steven Sund. Now then, you guys realize he did an interview with Tucker Carlson uh, about the events surrounding January 6th and basically called them a cover-up. And, and, you know, he, he says he basically wasn't allowed to do his job. He did write a book, Courage Under Fire, which has not gotten a lot of attention uh, by anybody, it seems, except Tucker Carlson. And and by the way, it was hidden by Fox News. So basically, you never saw this. So so they basically hid this whole bit that the former police chief, the Capitol Police chief, did uh, with
4: Tucker
2: Carlson. It went like this: I try to do what I can. To get the truth out. Yes. You know, they didn't want me to testify in uh, in February on 20, February twenty-third at the Senate hearing. They only wanted people to still currently in positions. I actually had to go in and talk to a friend of mine on one of the oversight committees and say, I will come there in person. I want to be there. I want to testify. So I'm glad you think I'm reserved. I'm you know, to be honest with you, I'm a little pissed off. So by the
1: way, can you believe this? Why why would not the chief of police at that particular time of January sixth, not be asked to testify before the oversight committee. And in fact, it's not only not be asked; he was rejected when he offered to. Have you guys ever heard that? Uh, have you have you guys been aware of this? Because I'll tell you, a lot of this, as much as I get around. A lot of this is new to me, uh, and, and, and this is shocking that this former chief wanted to testify. So so in other words, through all the January 6th hearings that we were bothered with, and all the nonsense, and all the weepy people, and all this and that, you uh, have to understand that there was one person missing, and that was the actual guy who was the chief of police at the time. Um, because this
2: it, it to happen. If if people were reporting the intelligence correctly, if I was allowed to do my job as the chief, I got a significant experience. If I was allowed to do my job as the chief, we wouldn't be here today. This didn't have to happen. Then see how you know, you're out there, you're land based in public, and it's all you know. Everything appears to be a cover up. Like I said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but when you look at the information, the intelligence that it had, military had. Uh, it's all watered down. I'm not getting intelligence. I'm denied support National Guard in advance. I'm denied National Guard while we're under attack for 71 minutes. You're in a fight? Yeah. A fight for a couple of minutes Yeah, one wears minute. you minute. One minute. I was going to say, 60 <laughs> seconds, three minutes. Yeah, hey, Let so- me tell you, it wears you out. My officers were fighting for 80 minutes before the protesters ever the protesters. with that. can I say, so you... So, so, so anyway, the, the audio is
1: infuriating because this website apparently doesn't invest a whole lot in this technology called the NationalPulse.com. But to to, to his point, uh, the, the, the situation with the Capitol Police and, and the National Guard specifically... Now, keep in mind that I am separating the protesters from the people who I believe actually were there as agitators. So when we talk about the police fighting, it is my opinion that the police were not fighting Trump supporters. Necessarily. There might have been a couple in there, but in my opinion, they were not fighting Trump supporters. They were fighting people who were planted. They were fighting deep state agitators. They were fighting Antifa. You have to keep in mind that the... Hallway where Ashley Babbitt was and that group of people that Ashley Babbitt was immersed in, those people were mostly Antifa. Those people were mostly left wing agitators. They were they were not like Ashley Babbitt, which is why Ashley Babbitt wanted to get the hell out of there. And why she was appealing to the cops. Like, hey, what, what, why aren't you doing anything about this? These guys are smashing windows and everything else. And, and so those people were not. So, so when you hear this chief talking about protesters and the National Guard. Uh, and, and you know these people are not true Trump supporters. You realize that the reason why the National Guard wasn't called out and wasn't available for 71 hours, as this chief just points out, was because the government wanted to let this happen. The military, Nancy Pelosi, wanted to let this play out. Because if the National Guard had been there, there wouldn't have been agitators, Antifa, and deep staters able to do what they wanted to do. And of course the government and the deep state and the military and Nancy Pelosi couldn't have that. They wanted a riot. They wanted this to happen. Everything everything rolled out exactly as planned. And the fact that the National Guard wasn't called in, you'd think that in fact they would help them, right? Because they would say, well, let's call up the National Guard and we'll make Trump supporters look like they're potentially violent. But they didn't want that because they know that nothing would have happened. Trump supporters would have complied. But they wouldn't have gotten the true nugget of what they wanted, which was a bunch of plants and paid operatives st- causing a riot. That's what I believe
2: happened. I describe this as a failure to get the intelligence to the people who needed it. But it sounds like... Worse than it sounds like they were hiding so the intelligence, and that's what I'm getting at is could there possibly be that actually did something to happen and kind of wanted something to happen? It doesn't, it's not a far stretch to begin. Well, to I don't think know it. what the other explanation is. Well, okay, so that's the, what the chief said in between the,
1: the little dropouts there, but but he says, I don't know whether they just they just didn't they wanted something to happen. I don't know, and that's the that's the Capitol Police Chief. Now you know why he wasn't allowed to testify. Uh, Before the oversight committee, it's shocking that throughout this entire process, they didn't want the police chief testifying. Because they didn't want to hear this line one. Good morning. Thanks for calling the show. How you doing to whom do I have the pleasure? Hey, good morning, Jamie. It's Jeff. Hey, Jeff. What's up, man? You know, it's it it is
0: so curious as to, you know, how much the January 6th committee and, you know, they were saying how they, you know, they valued those police officers there on Capitol Hill. But the the one guy who was in charge of it all, I mean, that's the scary thing of what's going on is they can just ignore what's in front of their eyes and and try and make us ignore it, too. And by not having this guy testify and tell the truth of what what he saw just shows you we're in a really scary place as far as how they can keep things from us.
1: Oh, absolutely, Jeff. You are so right. And and I'm so glad you pointed that out, that the, the, the fact that they were all beating their chests like they were American heroes because they stood by the police when they completely purposely ignored and drove away and rejected the police chief. That's a great point.
0: Yeah, I, I'm just – you know, it gets you more and more angry every day because, you know, it's, they, they keep talking about January 6th as if it was just the the worst thing that's ever happened here. And, and you know, obviously we know it could have been very easily prevented, but we're being, you know, not weak because we know what's going on. But the people on the other channels are being manipulated to think something is, is really bad.
1: Yeah. And I, I go the opposite direction in, in for some people. And I think people might think I'm some kind of kook about it. Uh, but I think January 6th was a great day for America uh, and, and be, because it showed a real passion among, and I'm talking the Trump supporters who were there, like Ashley Babbitt and others, a real passion for the uh, this republic and a real passion for the sanctity of this republic and its voting process. And I thought the fact that uh, tens of thousands of people showed up there, uh, only, of course, to be dragged into a soundstage that was inhabited by actors, uh, which, which was sad enough. But but on its face, January 6th was a beautiful day in America. And, and I'm glad that there were lawmakers who didn't know which way was up and were scared because they should be. And I'm not saying physical threatening Physically threatening a a, a representative. That's not what I'm talking about. But I don't believe that elected officials, uh, well, let's put it this way. I do believe that elected officials should have a healthy fear of the people they represent. And I mean, and I don't mean fear physically. I mean fear that some one of these days the people are going to be coming to the Capitol or knocking on their door and wanting an accounting because these people are not kings or queens. Uh, they are representatives of the people. And I think it's always good to remind them of that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. It's a great, great way of looking at it because, uh, you know, and maybe they should be just a tad bit um, fear for their, <laughs> for their well being too, you know, because once people keep getting lied to enough and, you know, it's, and it's not small lies. They, they get very, very angry at, at the people who are doing the lying.
1: Yeah. I mean, unlike like Eric Swalwell, you know, over the <laughs> I'm sorry to bring him up, Jeff, but uh, <laughs> he he yesterday in the wake of the indictments uh, retweeted uh, this picture of him, of course, wearing a mask on January 6th. And he says, on January 6th, I gaveled the house to start the day. A few hours later, when Trump's terrorists attacked the chamber, I texted my wife that I loved her and to kiss our children goodbye for me. (laughs) Can you believe this, Pansy? Uh, Exactly.
0: I mean, he just, you know, he wants to make himself look to be a tough guy, but everything he says just shows you how what a weak person is, what a weak man is. I mean, come on.
1: And I I truly, to this day, believe that these people – uh, most of them were plants and Antifa, and it was a setup. And I, I just feel so badly for the likes of Ashley Babbitt, who went there earnestly thinking that she was joining a great American process of holding our electors and holding our government accountable for uh, a, a trustworthy election. And she went there with absolute bright eyes and an American spirit and wound up being murdered by the Capitol police. It just, it, that crushes me.
0: And once again, Jamie, they put that cop up as a hero and they don't interview the chief of police. I mean, it's just so telling right there.
1: You yeah. Know? Yeah. No doubt about it. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate the call yeah. as always. Your calls are welcome to 314-566-6104. Coming up at 730, you guys are going to meet Hannah Giles. She's not just Doug Giles' daughter. She's now the CEO of Project Veritas. Good morning and happy Thursday to all of you. It's Common Sense Radio. Jamie Allman here. And you, to whom do I speak there on line one? Good morning this morning. What's going on? Jamie? Yes, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, it's Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man?
5: I'm doing good. I like the uh, conversation about January 6th. Yeah. It's like I saw, when I was I was watching it that day, and the night before, there was a bunch of busloads of who, who knows who they are, but now we know that they were all agents, FBI agents and Antifas and all these people. There was, I don't know how many busloads. I, I'm <clears throat> maybe ten or or more. Yeah, big white unmarked buses that were unloading at the Capitol, and it was all a staged event, basically. Just like you say, it's it was all planned out.
1: Yeah, I you know what's sad is, and, and again, this this it really does break your heart when you realize that there were so many really super good people who showed up there, thinking that this was just going to be. An American process. People were fired up. People were going to go and 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 see a legal process of making sure that every vote counted uh, and that the electoral pol- process was indeed followed, and that and January six was always marked as a day uh, to, on which that would happen. And it just became a more important day because most of us uh, have lived our lives, and January six has come and gone. Because it was just that the, nobody contested the election. Nobody had any issues with the states. And so most of the time, the Congress would convene and go ahead and certify the election. And then it was on to the inauguration. This was a different story. Uh, and, and and But I'm, it's so funny. I remember talking to Senator Blunt the day before. And he said, well, really, this is just a formality. This is just a thing. I go, well, how can it be a formality if it's a constitutionally called for convening of Congress, that's that's more than a formality, and he didn't he didn't get it, and and we we yeah. talked, but but it, that was it was not a formality, it was not a foregone conclusion, and when Pence says, "Well, I was asked to overturn the election," says, that's absolutely totally inaccurate.
5: So, well, well, blunt is the same as Pence; they're all deep state, you know, they're not they're not for the people.
1: Well, you know, I mean, Roy, Roy, I know, did did, I mean, he was initially really I I think this he got caught up in this whole process thing. Uh, He he was he was really instrumental in Trump's rise uh, and, and even even chaired his inauguration committee for crying out loud. So it was a little surprising when I talked to him the day before. Uh, that January sixth on January fifth, I was actually I I needed to find that tape because it was pretty crazy because he and I kind of were got into an argument uh,
5: about it, yeah. and I, I was, said this I is was not watching that whole thing. Yeah, um, um, a bunch of YouTubers were there with their with their phones and they were all recording all the the whole thing, and then when uh, all of a sudden after a, an hour or so, then they all got scared because the police were starting to arrest everybody inside the Capitol and they were all trying to get out and they wouldn't let them get out. It was crazy. Yeah. I
1: mean, I'll never forget uh, on my way, I was on my way to Phil Valencia's studio cause I was just going to cover the process live and I'll never forget first hearing that crap from Pence and, and second listening to the floor speech by Mitch McConnell And both of these guys, even before anything happened, told Americans who were there that they were wasting their time, that nothing was going to happen. And I remember driving. I was I was on my way out to Phils. I was like, oh, crap, this is I cannot believe that I'm hearing this now. This has all the makings of a setup and an agitation, a purposeful gaslighting. And the rest is history. I'll never forget hearing, especially Mitch McConnell saying that nothing was going to happen. There was not going to be any audit of the states. This was going to go follow through. We weren't going to overturn an election. and But that's not what people were asking for. I'll never forget him saying that. i remember never forget knowing that there was going to be a problem.
5: I was watching Trump's speech on the right side broadcasting, and his rally was not like a mile away or a mile and a half away. Yeah, and all those people that were at the rally, they weren't at the Capitol yet. So all the people that were at the Capitol, they were not the rally, the rally people. They were, like I said, they were all FBI agents dressed up as Trump supporters.
1: Oh, at Ray Epps and all those people. I mean, and, and that's, again, why, to the police chief's point, A, he wasn't asked. Well, actually, he offered to go and talk to the oversight committee. They rejected it because he knows why the National Guard was not called out. And that's because they, the, these, the powers that be wanted to let this happen. And they needed their actors to do their jobs. Well, yeah, they knew it was going to happen. It yeah.
5: was going to happen no matter what. Yeah, yeah. It they went, let them in. They opened the gates and let them in. You know, it's just it, the whole thing was uh, set up. Well, I remember the night before
1: NBC News was reporting that there's going to be trouble the intelligence says there's going to be trouble. That's because they knew there was <laughs> going to be knew. trouble because they were causing it. So, exactly. All right, buddy. I appreciate you calling the show, Joe. I got to take this news break here, man. Appreciate you guys. If you great, want to uh, talk on the phone with me, 314-566-6104, if you can hold on, that's great. Got a couple people on there. who uh, And if you want to hold on, I'll take you on the other side. The rise of leprosy in Florida, huh? Hmm.
5: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. well, that that's how our government works now, because we live in a fascist state. We the do. The left always wants to, they always want to complain about Trump's fascist, right-wing's fascist. We know who the true fascists are, and there's going to be a day, I see no other way around this, there's going to be a day we have to go to war with these people. They're at war with us right now. How How much longer can people stand here and take this? right in front of our eyes my eyes don't lie my ears don't lie yeah how much longer can can we can we take this what's the remedy if they do put trump in jail if they do succeed in any of that what's our remedy
1: yeah well i i will tell you that uh, 2024 is a lot more consequential
2: uh than